أجمعين ومن تبعهم لإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فعن أبي ثعلبة الخشني جرثوم بن ناشر رضي الله عنه عن عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن الله فرض فرائض فلا تضيعوها وحد حدودا فلا تعتدوها وحرم أشياء فلا تنتهكوها وسكت عن أشياء رحمة لكم غير نسيان فلا تبحثوا عنها حديث حسن رواه الدار قطني Alhamdulillah, respected brothers, sisters, and honorable listeners, we are continuing with the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. And these 40 hadith are those hadith which discuss the fundamentals of Islam, the fundamentals of our deen. And they, every hadith in this book revolves around the major principles of Islam. That... Uh, that it is binding upon every Muslim to know these ahadith. So just like, you know, in uh, some of our halaqat of ta'aleem, some of our, uh, you know, circles of knowledge, they say that, you know, the last 10 surahs of the Qur'an, everybody should know. You know, the قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَادُ قُلْ أَوْزَرُ بِالْفَلَقُ قُلْ أَوْزَرُ Every Muslim should know the last 10 surahs. Every youngster should be brought up learning Juzi Amma. You know, we have these that everyone should know. Everyone should know the basic Masail of Namaz. Everyone should know the basic Usuls of prayer and Taharat and Istinja and Wudu and purification. Similarly, when it comes to Hadith, is there something in Hadith that is necessary for Muslims to know? Some of our akabir and our elders and our teachers and our mashayikh, they emphasize the importance of the ahadith of fadail amal, the ahadith of the virtues of deeds. And the halaqat of these ahadith are given emphasis. Why? Because when you read the virtue of salah, when I know that what am I going to receive when I'm going to perform five daily salat? It's going to motivate me. Every action is based on motivation. Anything that we do in this world, it's because you're inspired or motivated to do that action. There's no action that a person does if he's demotivated. Nothing. Right now, if I don't have any motivation, I'm not going to do something. If I don't have motivation to go to college, I'm not going to go to college. And a lot of people who do something out of motivation, they might do it out of force or they might do it from other reason, they end up leaving it after. You have to be motivated, you have to be inspired and driven in order to do something and achieve something. That is why the mashayikh mentioned that the study of the ahadith of fadail, whether it's Riyadh al-Salihin or whether it's some other book, uh, you know, those kitabs which discuss the virtues when somebody tells me the virtues of zakat, I say, man, you know, I've been so lazy. I want to give zakat now. I want to give charity. When someone tells me the virtues of sitting in the masjid, that the one who sits in the masjid, the angels make three duas for him. Allahumma khfillahu, Allahumma arhamhu, Allahumma salli alayhi. Three duas. While you're sitting down right now. Allahumma khfillahu, Allahumma arhamhu, Allahumma salli alayhi. 
Oh Allah, forgive him. Oh Allah, have mercy upon him. Oh Allah, send your salutations upon him. Send your special blessings upon him. Before maybe I did not have any shawq, any desire to come to the masjid. Now all I want to do is sit in the masjid all day because I know that what virtue there is. So along with that, this is when it comes to the, the, the issues of deeds, you know, righteous deeds, to do righteous deeds. But then there's the issue about Islam itself. Aqidah and our faith and understanding Islam, a holistic understanding of Islam. The hadiths that Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah, is presenting before us gives us the full picture. The full picture is very necessary for us to have. Do you know why? It's because when you have a partial picture of something, then you will not be able to practice that correctly. If I have a partial picture of what is Islam, right, Islam will be very limited in my understanding. I will, with this limited understanding, consider someone else to be wrong. I will get in unnecessary debates. I will get in arguments. I will excommunicate people. I will consider certain people deviant. I will consider certain people out of the fold. I will consider some people bekar and berozgar. And you know, you can add to the list, right? We have to understand that our seeking of knowledge which is a lifelong journey. It's an interesting thing. I want to just go off of, you know, don't, somebody follow what I'm saying, because when I go on tangent, then that tangent takes me to another tangent. In the, you know, in the, the people that, you know, they follow Guru Nanak, the name of the follower of Guru Nanak, they say he is a Sikh. Sikh. Do you know what a Sikh is? Sikh. Sikh means a seeker, a talib. Talibul in. That is the name of the follower of the religion. Sikh. Yani, student. Seeker. Salik. And in reality, I mean, this is not a comparison. It's for us to understand that a Muslim, a Muslim must also constantly be seeking. You're constantly in a search for truth. That is why the most noble action in Islam is talabul ilm. Talabul ilmi faridatun ala kulli muslim. Seeking knowledge is an obligation upon every Muslim man and woman. Why? So that you can get that full picture. You don't want a half picture. You don't want a partial picture. Because a partial picture is a partial truth. A partial truth is still not complete truth. If somebody were to come and give you da'wat of Islam and says, just worship Allah Ta'ala. Just worship Allah Ta'ala. This is what Islam teaches. Is he correct? Well, partially he's correct, but partially he's not correct. Just worship Allah Ta'ala. This is what Islam teaches. Is this what Islam teaches? Partially, yes. But there is a... The, the, the ignorance of the other part of it can put a person in severe problems. How? He has parents or no? Just worship Allah. Now, what about the haq of the parents? What about the haq of the spouse? What about the haq of the children? 
What about the rights of your neighbors? What about huququllah and huququl ibad? Now we understand, oh, subhanAllah, you opened up a complete different world now on me. Also, other than Allah's worship, I have to also fulfill the rights of someone else. Completely now this whole person's world and this perspective has changed. True or false? SubhanAllah. May Allah Ta'ala bless our mashayikh and our akabir and our teachers that constantly their effort upon themselves and their effort upon their uh, students and those who are close to them is this, opening up the, tr the complete truth. Opening up the complete truth, not the partial truth. Because in the partial truth, we can, you know, we will, we will achieve what? Partial success. And the attainment of complete truth, we will achieve the complete success. This is, our, this is our struggle. This is what we strive for. This is not something that we claim. This is not something we say, I am on 100% truth. No, I am working to the best of my ability to achieve the 100% truth. I am working to the best of my ability to achieve that 100% truth, inshallah. Every day I'm learning. Every day I'm growing. Every day I want to complete that picture. And there's a very interesting story that's mentioned in the Masnawi. I want to mention it for those who, many of you heard this story, many of you not. But Maulana mentions the story in the Masnawi about partial truths. And, you know, how there's confusion. He says that they brought the elephant to Arabia from Hindustan, from India. They brought the elephant to Arabia. And the people never seen what is a feel. It was just some imaginary thing. They didn't know what it is. So they put it in this dark room and they had the chiefs of the tribe come and say, the elephant has come. Ja al-feel, ja al-feel. Right? The elephant is here. Right? So now they're sending, the, you know, big, big sardars of the qawm. Go inside the room and see what is this feel. And, you know, they didn't have any proper lighting for whatever reasons. But they just, you know, it's a, the, the whole, you know, crux of the story. So a person, you know, one chieftain goes and he grabs one part of the elephant, the leg. And he comes out, he said, oh, so now tell us, what is this, this elephant? What is this thing? He said, this is a sutun. This is a pillar. Okay, next, they send another sardar. You know, each one of them, they're like chief of the qawm. He sends another one. And, you know, he puts a hand on the body of the... So what is it? He said, this is a stage. Another one goes, you know, he grabs the ear. He said, this is a fan. And a young, one young boy, he goes with a lamp, a lantern inside. And he says, oh... This is not a lamp, or this is not a, 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 a pillar, or a stage, or a, a, a fan, or anything of that sort. This is a huge animal. It's an amazing thing. Imagine the person who had that perspective that this is a pillar, or this is a, you know, fan, or this is, you know, a stage, or whatever. How limited, how wrong. It's none of those things. So Maulana was mentioning is sometimes when we're looking at Islam, when we're looking at the path to Allah Ta'ala, we see one portion of it, right? Adrakta shay'an wafatat minka ashya'u. Adrakta shay'an, right? Wafatat minka ashya'u. You've got one thing, but many, many things have been lost from you. 
I can say that the Arba'een of Imam al-Nawawi, it's the light that illuminates, shows you the whole, shows you the whole elephant. This is, the, this is why the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi is so beautiful and so necessary. Every Muslim should be acquainted with the, the mazmoon. You don't have to memorize everything. Everything does not have to be memorized. If it's memorization, subhanAllah, nurun ala nur, even better. But the mazmoon, the subject of what is being discussed in the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi, every Muslim should be acquainted with that. And this should be included in the, you know, nisab talim in the curriculum of schools. And in our own life, when we're doing talim, this, you know, uh, book must and should be implemented. Because what does it do? Right? The objective of Imam al-Nawawi is qawa'idul islam al-Islam, the fundamentals and the principles and objectives of Islam. It cannot be that you read the Arba'een of Imam al-Nawawi and you have some distorted, what is this? This thing that Islam, I want you to tell me about it. Okay, read the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. This would, I would say, very comfortably give you a broad understanding about what is Islam. You know Hazrat Mawlana Manzur Nomani? He has a book, Islam Kya Hai. What is Islam? Mawlana Manzur Nurmani has a book called What is Islam? That's the title of it. I think that if you were to title the 40 hadith of Imam Al-Nawi, What is Islam? This would be a very apt title for this. And a very, it's a, it's a very sophisticated way that he has done it. It's not a, this is, this is not something very, you know, uh, simplistic. It's, it's, it's simplistic, but in a very sophisticated way. That if you actually go deep into the meanings and the purport of what is carried in these ahadith, it gives you that full picture. Hukukullah, to hukukul ibad, to faraid, to sunan, to nafil, to the haqq of Allah, to haqq of the slaves of Allah. So everything that is required upon a Muslim and the mizaj of Islam, this is a very important point. The, the, the temperament and the, uh, the, the, the way of Islam, the temperament of Islam, it gives you the whole picture. So, inshallah, um, we have the recordings, mashallah, on our uh, Noor Institute website. You can hear the previous lectures. I highly recommend. So, we are now, we've reached... MashaAllah, hadith number 30. And there's 40 hadith in this compilation. So inshallah, we'll continue today uh, with this. An Abi Tha'labat al-Khushani, Jurthum ibn Nashir radiyallahu anhu. Abu Tha'labat al-Khushani, Jurthum ibn Nashir. So Abu Tha'labat is the name of, you can say, we could call the kunya. The kunya is, is a honorific, is an honorary title that is given the father of so-and-so. So amongst Arabs, they have this tradition that they call a person by the assumed name of their eldest child. So that's why the, the kunya of Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu what was it? Does anybody know? We should all know the kunya of Rasulullah. Abu al-Qasim. 
That's the kunya of Rasulullah Sallallahu Everybody should know. Father of Qasim. Whether he lived or didn't live, that's not important part of it. The important is who was the eldest and the prominent child, the eldest amongst them. And by that honorific, the person is known. Sayyidina Abul Qasim, Muhammad ibn Abdullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wasallam. Or for example, uh, Sayyidina Umar, Abu Hafs. It doesn't have to be the boy. Abu Hafs, yani the father of Hafsa. That was the kunya of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab. And, you know, like that, many, many others. So kunya means it was a honorific, that it was a tradition of the Arabs that they would be named by the eldest Abu Abdullah or Abu Fulan or Abu Fulan. So his is Abu Thalaba. Al-Khushani, what, why is he called Khushani? Mansub ila Khushayna, the tribe of Khushayna. And his name now, that wasn't his name. His name is now Jurthum. Jurthum. Ibn Nashir. Jurthum, the son of Nashir. And who was this Jurthum ibn Nashir? Radiallahu anhu. Imam Mullah Ali Qari, whose commentary we're studying from. He was from amongst those Sahaba that made bayat to Rasulullah Sallallahu under the tree. That which Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran, right? That, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايَعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ فَأَنزَلَ السَّكِينَةَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَثَابَهُمْ فَتْحًا قَرِيبًا Is that correct? فَتْحًا قَرِيبًا لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Allah Ta'ala indeed is pleased with those believers who made bayat with you, O Muhammad and uh, they, uh, Allah Ta'ala granted them maghfirah and Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them. So special mention of these sahaba that Allah is pleased with them and you can say that there's basharat of jannat in this as well and maghfirat because the one who Allah is pleased with him and the one who has uh, received Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness is from the people of jannah. So this sahabi who's narrating Jurthum ibn Nashir was from amongst them, jannati. Allah Ta'ala is pleased with him. وَضَرَبَ لَهُ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِسَهْمِهِ يَوْمَ خَيْبَرٍ And Nabi Sallallahu also gave him a portion of the war, uh, spoils of war in the day of Khaybar. وَأَرْسَلَهُ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ فَأَسْلَمُوا And Nabi Sallallahu sent him as a, uh, you can say, um, ambassador to his qawm and all of them accepted Islam. So you can say that Khushayna, uh, which is a, a uh, branch of Banu Qudaa. Khushayna, which is a branch of Banu Qudaa, they accepted Islam at the hands of Jurthum ibn Nashir. Not very ma'roof sahabi like the Ashari Mubashara that we've heard. Jurthum ibn Nashir, maybe many of us have not heard of such a sahabi, but he was a very, very uh, prominent amongst the sahaba of Bay'atul Ridwan. And then after, he resided in Sham and he passed away in the year 75 Hijri and he actually narrates 40 hadith from the Prophet He narrates 40 hadith from the Prophet So he was a 40 hadith is a lot So he narrates from Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Inna Allaha farada faraida fala tudayyi'uha Verily 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed certain obligations. Allah has decreed certain things that are fard, certain things that are necessary. So do not waste them. Do not waste them. Do not neglect them. فَلَا تُضَيِّعُوهَا These fara'id and these obligations that Allah Ta'ala has decreed, has mandated, do not neglect them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed certain boundaries and hudud. Allah placed boundaries and hudud. Do not go near those boundaries. Do not trans, trans, trespass Allah's boundaries. And do not transgress Allah's boundaries. And Allah made certain things forbidden. Do not breach that. Do not breach the things that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. Intihak, it means to desecrate something, to dishonor something. So remember that haram has two meanings. We'll get to each one, inshallah. We'll discuss each one separately. But haram, it can mean something that is sanctified. Like we say, masjid al-haram. What is masjid al-haram? Masjid al-haram means it's haram for you to go there. Masjid al-Haram doesn't mean it's haram for you to go there. Masjid al-Haram means it's sanctified. Harama, it means something that you should not go close to it. And why the word is used is to indicate that we should not go close to it with anything. وَمَنْ يُرِدْ فِيهِ بِإِلْحَادٍ نُذِقْهُ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ مَنْ يُرِدْ فِيهِ بِإِلْحَادٍ Anyone within that vicinity intends any transgression we will make him taste of a very painful punishment. So, yani, haram means don't come close to it with any disobedience. Sanctified. Sanctified meaning do not desanctify, do not desecrate this. So, Allah Ta'ala has certain things that He made haram. Yani, Allah Ta'ala, He honored certain things. We do not desecrate them. So, when Allah Ta'ala says this is haram, Alcohol is haram. That command is to be sanctified and honored. Do not dishonor that by doing it. وَسَكَتَ عَنْ أَشْيَاءَ رَحْمَةً لَكُمْ غَيْرَ نِسْيَانٍ فَلَا تَبْحَثُوا عَنْهَا And Allah remains silent regarding certain things out of mercy for you, not out of forgetfulness. So do not seek out those things. Don't go after those things. Don't keep asking about those things. And this is an, a, a um, reliable hadith and it is narrated by Daruqutni. So, let me say one thing. You know when we said at the beginning that every single hadith in this book, it's like if you, if you grab that hadith, it will tell you something very fundamental about the religion. Any hadith that you take and you say, okay, let me just take one. This could describe Islam or a very, very important and major aspect of Islam. It is like a rule of thumb. It is like a qaida kulliya. It is like an usul and a principle to live by. This is a principle to live by. Why this hadith is important, brothers and sisters? Nowadays, may Allah Ta'ala forgive me, sometimes I get a little bit 
emotional, I get a little bit thing is because there's a reason why. Nowadays, people think that Islam is restricted to my identity. Islam is what? Something that there's a box and I just check it and this is the meaning of being a Muslim. I'm a Muslim meaning I check a box and that makes me a Muslim. It's not something that is part of your, how do you say, uh, your, your, your identity that when somebody says, okay, what are you? Oh, I'm Indian, Pakistani, Afghani, Bangladeshi, Arab, Palestini, Egyptian, uh, Algerian, whatever. And then along with that, also, oh yeah, yeah, and also, yeah, Muslim, yeah, Muslim. And yeah, also, uh, you know, she, him, shim, fim, whatever, all these other, you know, LBGTQ with the end of the alphabet all the way to, you know, now it might go into numbers. Maybe the alphabet will not be enough to cover everything that's happening. You're going to have to add numbers to infinity based on every single person's whatever he feels that day, what I am. All these other confusions, right? Islam is starting to become like that. Islam is not that. Islam is, this, this, this hadith is very, very important to take into consideration in that regard. This hadith, subhanAllah, is the, just the fine, it's, it's just con conclusive. It's conclusive. That's it. It closes the door. It does not allow any option. And it closes that door. It doesn't leave it. And I, I'll tell you, when I was, I was uh, in San Francisco State, we had an MSA. May Allah reward the brothers and sisters who had that. I think MSA is doing a wonderful job to at least have some place where, you know, Muslims can go. You know, we all have things that we need to correct about ourselves. There are certain aspects of the MSA, if they were to correct themselves, it would be great. You know, having a focus, having an objective, not having a place where this is just a hangout, right? But having a focus that what is the objective of this MSA, right? Not just a something that everybody gets together and, you know, and I'll tell you, I, when, I, when I went to this, you know, this MSA meeting, I came a little bit late. So when I came, this was the conversation that was taking place. Well, you know, in my opinion, this is what Islam is to me. My Islam is be a good person. What is your Islam? Well, you know, my Islam is that, you know, do whatever you can, and if you can't, then Allah is Ghafoor Rahim. Okay, what is your Islam? Oh, my Islam, no, nah, brothers, this ain't right. We got to do it like this, you know, political, you know, our brothers and sisters in Philistine, you know, and then the brothers and sisters suffering here, and then, you know, it was all like political. Everybody, everybody had their own Islam or Shizlam, right? You have his lam and you have shiz lam. Now, you have everybody has his own lam, you know. Their own Islam, they make my lam, your lam, his lam, shiz lam, right? Now we have all these different things that people have created for their own. This is not my Islam or your Islam, babka Islam, nanika, dadika. What is, you know, there's, there's no, there's Allah and Rasul's Islam. Ati Allah wa ati ur Rasul. This is what it is. But why this is important, my dear brothers and sisters, the more people, you know, coming into the religion, it's kind of like as if there are no, you know, we, we, as if there are no rules or regulations. I am feeling that there's this, you know, there's this new movement that Islam is just like this, um, It's like a, um, 
an expression of being different. You know, Christian is the norm, and I want to find something that's really out there, that's really, really, you know, uh, bold, you know, that's not part of the norm, that's not white America, you know, what is, what's out there? You know, how can I be a, a rebel? You know, okay, here we go, Islam. How can I be more of a rebel? Okay, hijab. Where's the aman? Where's the hudud? Where's the haram? Where's the halal? There's no halal, there's no haram, there's no farz, there's no sunnah, there's no wajib, there's no mustahab, there's no fiqh, there's no, there's no aqaid. Believe in whatever you want to believe. Do whatever you want to do. You want to pray, pray. If you want to believe in it, believe. There was just recently somebody was saying, if you're a true Muslim, then you should vote for this person. And if you don't vote for this person, you're not even a true Muslim in my eyes. What are you talking about? Are you like, subhanAllah, Imam Jawaini, Allahu Akbar. Imam Ghazali is giving the fatwa, khalas. Imam Ghazali aagya, Allahu Akbar. Congratulations. If you, if you don't vote for this person, you're not even a Muslim in my eyes. What is Islam in these people's understanding? But this is now like, here, now listen to what, what this is. After I've mentioned all of these things, that I come into this, you know, I want to be something Malcolm X, you know. I want to be, be a rebel. How can I be a rebel? Opposite of white America, you know, Democrat, liberal, this, that. And, you know, I have all these other, you know, kachumar, and you have all these other mixture of all these other various weird things. And then, oh, Islam, there we go. That will that, that, really make me look like, you know, I'm bold. That will really make me look cool. And then, you know, also, oh, uh, did you pray Eid Namaz? Or do you, know, do you know what's Istinja? Do you know what is Wuzu? Do you know what is Namaz? Do you know? Oh yeah, Ramadan Mubarak. Shukr, alhamdulillah. Okay, at least something. The White House has it, so, you know, I guess it's, it's important now. If they have it at the White House, it must be very important. Hazrat Ijazat di. Hazrat has given, not this has, mashallah. We have a Hazrat, Hazrat Shahadat Khan is here. Allahu Akbar. La hawla wa la illa billah. Inna allaha farada faraida fala tudayyuuha. Look, Islam has faraid. Don't neglect them. Islam is, comes with obligations. This is a very important aspect. Islam comes with obligations. And things that is mandatory upon us, do not neglect them. Right? When it says, Inna Allaha farada faraid. Phir kya kehte hai ki ye mullah log bas ye kiya, mullah log ye farz kiya, mullah. Mullah, masail banate nahi hai, batate hai bichare. Batane ki wajah se bas, that's it, they're under fire. The mullahs, they're not, they're not making up things. They're conveying the things to you. They're conveying. So because we convey, then, you know, don't shoot the messenger type of thing. You're shooting, you, you, you made it halal upon us, you made this haram upon us. Hazrat told a story about Ramazan. Should I tell the story of Ramazan? Because we, if we tell people that you have to do this, then they want to kill you. Like, it's like, like you made it farz upon them. They didn't make it farz, this is farz upon you. We're just conveying, that's our, that's our responsibility, it's our duty. We are in sin if we don't say so. So Hazrat said that there was a group of, you know, villagers 
they said, how do we know that, you know, there's a, so there was a person who, you know, he would see the chand, his name was Ramazan. His name was Ramazan. Ramazan, so these villagers, they just accepted Islam, they said, you know, Ramazan is coming, Ramazan is coming. He said, what is this Ramazan that's coming? He said, you can't eat all day, you can't drink all day, you can't have any, you know, relations with your spouse. He said, oh my God, ye Ramazan to bahut khatarnaak cheez hai. This Ramazan is very dangerous. It's, we can't eat, we can't drink. We have to get, we have to do something about Ramazan. So Bechara, the guy who sees the moon, his name is Ramazan. He was from the village, his name is Ramazan. So he's coming to tell the people. He said, Deko, he said, there's Ramazan right there. He said, beat him up, Ramazan is coming. If we beat him up now, it's not gonna come upon us. If we get him right now, this Ramazan guy, it's not gonna come. Then we don't have to eat or drink or anything. So similarly, like Bichare, was Maro, Bichara Ramazan ko Maro. Mar dalohi Ramazan agya. So this is what they this is the people think. Like people are giving you, telling you what the commandments are. As if like we're making it up. Okay, beat up this guy. He's the one that made Ramazan fathers. He's the one that said you have to wear hijab. He's a we did we did we're conveying. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inna Allah farada faraid. Allah ne farzkiya. Inna Allah farada faraid. Allah has made such things mandatory. Fala tudayyuha. Do not neglect it. So we know that now part of Islam. This is why I'm saying that these hadith are so fundamental. They are so important. And we think that, oh, these are, this is elementary, childish things. No, the people who are now accepting Islam, very intellectual people, very sophisticated people, very educated people, maybe with masters, maybe with bachelors, maybe with doctorates. But when they come, nobody, everybody's afraid. Nobody wants to tell them that, inna Allah farada faraid. There's, with this religion, with this deen, there's obligations. We're, we're afraid of scaring everybody away. But let me tell you, you know what's worse than scaring people away? Not telling them the truth. I think this is the worst. Not telling the people the truth. Oh, we don't want to... Right, don't overwhelm them. Hikmat kisat. With a lot of hikmat, with a lot of wisdom. You don't need to bombard, you know, like a person, you know, bichara, he just accepts Islam, you know. Oh, brother Mike, what's your real name? Bhai, just chodo, yaar. Like, Mike Mikhail, okay? Just like, he's, just make it, like, Mikhail alayhi salam, you know, is also an angel. Just leave the guy alone. Like, what's your real name? So, what, Mike? There was, a, well, there was a shahada, actually, I witnessed. It was two, three times, the uncle asked him, what's your name? He's like, Philip. No, what's your real name? He's like, Philip. He said, no, but what's your Muslim name? And then, oh, then the, the bichara was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I just said my shahada. Like, you know, bro, give me a break. Yani, so there is either that extreme, there's nothing, there's no fars. Yabi, 30 separas of the Quran right now has to be nuzul upon him. Nazzal al-Quran tanzila upon him. Full 30 separas have to be revealed upon his heart right now, this second. Bhai, leave the person to slowly, slowly transition, learning new things, coming to understand his religion. That is also not correct. Do you see what I'm saying? With hikmat. Slowly. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Islam has made certain things obligatory. Don't think that, oh, Islam means I could just do whatever I want to do. No, there's obligations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that when, subhanAllah, our children, 
This is such an important thing that when our children become baligh, they have to be informed. When our children become mukallaf, shara'an, mukallaf means they're responsible in the sharia. They reach puberty. That when they reach puberty, whether boy, whether girl, they have to be explained. Now, five daily prayers are binding upon you. You have to pray. If you don't pray, you have to make qada of those prayers. Now, ghusl becomes wajib upon you. Now, for example, salatul eid is wajib upon you. Or, you know, fasting in the month of Ramadan, if you're capable of doing it. If you have that sp specific amount of wealth, zakat becomes even binding upon you. Yes, some kids, they have like in their, you know, bank accounts, lots of money, you know. With, you know, whatever, however it might be. But the point is, even if they're at that young, tender age, this has to be explained to them. Their obligations. This world is not just, oh, you just, you know, float around doing whatever you feel like doing. Float around playing video games and watching YouTube all day. You have obligations. You're mukallaf. You're a man. You're a woman. And this is, this is something that, subhanAllah, this is that which many mashayikh have mentioned, Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before we were created he presented this amana many of the mashayikh say what was this amana that was presented what was this, uh, this trust before we were created upon the soul of Adam salam, who was a representative of all creation till the end of time Allah presented that this is a trust. I am presenting this to all my creation. Oh Allah, what is this trust? He says, if you fulfill it, you will get a great reward. Oh Allah, if we don't fulfill it, then you'll be punished. That mountain said, we're cool. You know, we, this is something that we cannot tolerate. We can't tolerate your punishment, Ya Rab. The earth, we cannot tolerate your punishment, Ya Rab. The heavens, Ya Allah, we cannot. But insan, Adam alayhi salam. He was the one who took this. He was the one who, you know, when, uh, when uh, someone who is of a great status, somebody who has a uh, great honor, can you do this for me, please? And everybody says, no, I can't, no, I can't, no, I can't. The person who has the most decency and the person who has the most izzat nafs and honor and respect and humbleness and akhlaq and character, that person will say, I will take this from you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had placed that wafadari in insan. And that is why he became, Allah created insan with that istidad, with the potential of that loyalty. And that is why insan, which it, it, the representative of all of humanity was Sayyidina Adam, who was the perfect manifestation of every human being. He said, Ya Allah, we take this. We will not allow you. We want this reward from you. Now, what is the meaning of innahu kana zaluman jahula? What about this? Verily, in this he was unjust. He was an oppressor and he was ignorant. Meaning, those of Bani Adam who will not be able to fulfill this trust those who came after then they are zalim right they, they, have, they have committed zulm they have committed oppression upon themselves by not fulfilling what their father was ready to fulfill and they were ignorant by not knowing of that responsibility 
This doesn't refer to Sayyidina Adam salam. But those who came after who did not now fulfill that إِنَّهُ كَانَ ظَلُومًا جَهُولًا He will be upon himself. And the majority will be in this regard oppressive upon themselves and transgressing themselves and ignorant of this responsibility. And the result of it is لِيُعَذِّبَ اللَّهُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ وَالْمُشْرِكَاتِ And those who did not fulfill this from amongst the hypocrites and the disbelievers who did not take these faraid they did not take this amanat. وَيَتُوبَ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ And Allah Ta'ala will then manifest His mercy upon the believing men and women who took this responsibility. So this is what it's all about. This is what we are, we're, we're, this hadith that we're reading today, according to the majority of scholars, this is the meaning of the amanat. إِنَّا أَرَضْنَا الْأَمَانَةَ The faraid. The ahkam of deen, the deen itself. Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, when he would hear the azan and he would stand in prayer, his face would turn pale and he would start shivering. And he said, Oh, Sayyidina Ali, why? He says, Because I am standing in front of that, I'm about to perform that amanat which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had presented to the heavens and the earth and the mountains. You understanding? Who's falling asleep? See, I have water here, but there's other people that need water in front of them. Just a little, like a little bucket. Just wash your face. Don't fall asleep. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain obligations. Don't neglect them. This is, one of, this, is the, this is the objective of your creation. This is the meaning of inna aradna al-amanata. This is the purpose. From a young age. From the age that they become binding, from the age that it becomes binding upon them, they should know this. This is the first conversation. You know, they say, talk, about, talk to your kids about the birds and the bees. You talk about them, about the amanat and the responsibilities. And that everything is included in that farada faraid. Everything. All of it is included. If a, if a, if, if a father and mother with hikmat, with wisdom, with kindness, with shafaqat, with mercy, with compassion, like a friend. And I say, remember with your children, love and logic. These are the two things, love and logic. With your children, raise them with love and logic. If you do that, subhanAllah, everything is made easy. But if you do it with, you know, like dictator, hard-handed and hard-fisted and, you know, I'm going to discipline and I mean, discipline is in its place. Without discipline, nothing can, can work. Anyways, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed certain obligations. Do not neglect them. The second. The second point. Allah placed boundaries. So when Allah has placed boundaries, there are certain things that we cannot even go close. We cannot go near it. Right? As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran for us to understand the meaning of this, Allah ta'ala has placed boundaries. Do not go near those boundaries. Do not tra transgress those boundaries. Another hadith explains this where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentions that, إِنَّ لِكُلِّ مَلِكٍ حِمًا إِنَّ لِكُلِّ مَلِكٍ حِمًا For every king, there is a border and a boundary. Every king for his kingdom 
has boundary. And the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the things that he has made haram, the forbidden things. And then what does he say? He says, وَمَنْ Right? Anybody who goes and grazes his sheep near the boundary, what will happen? It will eventually the sheep will slowly go over and float to the other side in the place where he's not supposed to be. You know, when you don't have the proper, uh, how do you say, fence, right? You don't have the proper fence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us that this is where it is. But you can say that the fence we should know. We should not now transgress. But what happens if we now start grazing at the edge of things? We're going to eventually fall. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, right? Don't come near it. Don't even go near it. Right? In regards to zina, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Allah doesn't say anywhere in the Quran that don't commit adultery. Allah doesn't say don't commit fornication. Allah says do not go near fornication. What is going near fornication? Looking, speaking, texting, touching, right? All of these fall within the framework of don't go near. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it haram for a man to touch a woman? And a ghair mahram man to touch a ghair mahram woman? And a ghair mahram woman to touch a ghair mahram man? Why did Allah ta'ala make that haram? Because of this. Because it starts with touching. It starts with these type of things. And then what happens? That grazing into places that where we are now, brothers and sisters, where we are now with all this confusion, people think that they're dolphins and man thinks he's a woman and another says, I'm not a man or a woman. I'm something in between. Where, how did this start? Where did this come from? It started somewhere. But when we kept going, kept, kept transgressing, Right? What did Rasulullah say? That cursed is the man who wears the dress of women, and cursed are the women who wear the dress of men. Allah cursed those men who imitate women, and Allah cursed those women who imitate when. What is the meaning of this curse? To close the doors, that when you're not even allowed I mean, subhanAllah, people wear, women wear pants. Do you know in certain Christian circles, they will not allow women to wear pants. We wear, we, and Muslim women wear pants. I'm not going to talk about the halal or haram of it. But why it, in certain Christian circles, I was watching this website, modest, modest Christian women. I was looking up something on modesty, and modest Christian women in a whole article. Why these specific Christians considered haram for women in their mazhab to wear pants. Do you know what they said? This is the imitation of men. And the imitation of men has been strictly forbidden in the Bible. Whoa, it just blew my mind. And on the website said, you know, where you can get wonderful skirts and dresses that women can wear. The website had Christian-made skirts and dresses for women. They're like, you know, the Amish. They were like from the, the Amish qawm. But very interesting point. When you have set that hudud, my dear brothers and sisters, when we have set these boundaries, do you think that there will be any confusion? Hmm? 
Now they're forcing this, this garbage down the, down, down the throats of our children in the schools, confusing them from day one. That we know when you're raising your son, this is what a boy does and this is what a girl does and this is how a boy is supposed to be and this is how a girl is supposed to be. Hopefully, if a girl wants to play basketball or you know, she wants to you know, ride a bike or something like that, you know, this is not the end of the world. My point is, is like that from what is the roles, what does it mean? You know, shuja'at and courage and you know, standing up and taking care and responsibility and these type of things and then on the part of our females to encourage them of modesty and shame and humbleness and you know all of these these things that are relative to our daughters and our sisters this is our obligation otherwise we see what is happening right in front of our eyes when you don't follow these hudud when you break the hudud you leave it go go and roam around take your sheep and roam wherever you want to go whatever you want to be i don't call my son or my daughter he or she let him roam wherever he wants to roam what do you think of a child whose aql has not even an high-ranking, educated doctors and psychiatrists said, do not cause this confusion for God's sake. Their, their understanding of gender, mentally, there was a, you know, one psychiatrist she was saying in Canada. She was saying, do not do this because this, this concept does not become, the understanding of these things does not become perfected mentally in the psyche of a person till like 17, 18, 19, and you're pushing this from age five, from age four, from the time they're just learning how to speak. This is a disaster what you people are doing. Their own people are now completely lost because they have no hudud. There are no boundaries. There is nothing. And now what Allah Ta'ala says, when you don't have those boundaries, you don't have those hudud, you become even They become even worse than even the animals. They become worse than even the creatures. May Allah Ta'ala protect us and our families. But this is, this, is the, this is the najat. Clear hudud. We lay down those clear hudud for our children, for ourselves. This is what men do. This is what women do. This is what it means to be a man. This is what it means. And, and we, you know, unfortunately, we don't have that. What it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Women are becoming like men and men are becoming like women. And now everything is becoming confused. But the Prophet ﷺ, why he did this? Somebody might even ask. Right? One time, the, uh, one of the Sahabis, he was wearing a perfume called Khaluq. It's a perfume... That is a specific type of perfume that the Prophet ﷺ said that that man who wears khaluq, the angels will not come close to his house. Three people, three people the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. The angel will not come close to this house. One is the man or woman that they are in a state of major impurity after sexual intercourse where they intentionally, they do not make ghusl. Without even making wudu, they intentionally remain in that state uh, impure in a state of how do you say janabat without any excuse right for many many hours for many many you know just careless when is a person wants to go to sleep they don't want to take ghusl that's fine just make a wudu make a stinja make wudu go to sleep and you're fine this is completely okay this is this is the lesser taharat it's also considered taharat it does not allow you to pray but it allows you to remain in a state of 
right? What you say, lesser taharat. But a person intentionally for hours and hours, for entire day, without even praying namaz, we think that this is something that is, uh, might be a minor issue. I was actually asked the question in the month of Ramadan that, Sheikh, I became uh, junub, uh, you know, in the, in the night, and I continued till Asr time. And just before iftari, then I made ghusl, so, you know, what should I do? I said, first take a sandal and then turn the other side, not the, not the dirty side, and smack yourself on the head. That's the first thing you want to do. Second, not the, not the, the dirty part, the other part. Get the sandal, smack yourself for being an idiot and doing such a thing. Oh, I'm just joking. Just make a istighfar. Don't smack. It was actually okay. I got it. You know. Now what? I said, okay, go in the bathroom, lock the door so nobody thinks you're crazy. Okay, now you're looking yourself in the mirror. Yeah, now smack yourself. What is this? Remaining in a state of janabat for an entire day, missing namaz while you're in a state of fasting? Ahmaq? Make istighfar. I said, fine, make istighfar and immediately make ghusl. This is that person with Rasulullah said that the angel will not come near such a house. Such a neglectful? Immediately. And if you, for example, ghusl is difficult or whatever the case might be, tayammum. If not tayammum, wuzu. And you could sleep and do whatever you need to do in the morning. Second is, right, that house in which there is a dog. It's hadith or different hadith. And then the third one, it says, the person, the man who is wearing khaluq, the man, al-mutakhalliq bil khaluq. What's wrong with this guy? He's wearing a specific type of perfume. This is the perfume of females. Why are you wearing the perfume of females? Yeah, that's where it starts. That's why. Do you understand my point? That's where this garbari business, right? It starts by wearing, I don't know, women's perfume, and then next minute you want to wear, you know, a women's shirt, and then you're going to wear a women's dress, and then you're going to, God knows what else you want to do. do. Do you see the hikmat in the sharia of Islam? Hikmat of the sunnah of Rasul Alhamdulillah that this deen is perfect. Alhamdulillah that we received the sunnah in per perfection. All of these ahadith we studied, all of these ahadith are in the... If we just implement the sunnah and the teachings of the Prophet in our life, we will not fall into this. It's, 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 it's heartbreaking confusion. Heartbreaking confusion. It breaks my heart. We never look down upon anybody. Wallahi al-Azim. We're not saying this by haqarat in our heart for anyone. To have any, uh, you know, uh, disdain, to have any hate or disdain or looking down in your heart for any human being is haram. I say it out of great pain in my heart that there's so much confusion. And I, when I see these people, I just say, Bechara. I just say, just Bechara. May Allah guide us. May Allah guide us. May Allah guide us. They are humanity. Look at this, this is the beautiful hadith. All of these ahadith of the Prophet. Allah Ta'ala placed these hudud. Do not transgress those who do. Don't go near them. Can you imagine? What, what in, 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 we're saying them, the saddi dharai of the Prophet, that the one who is wearing this woman's perfume, 
when Saad bin Abi Waqqas, he had gotten married in Medina Munawwara. Remember this waqia. Saad bin Abi Waqqas, he had gotten married in Medina Munawwara and he had this yellow, yellow zafran colored thing. That was khaluq. That's a type of women's perfume. He said, Oh Saad, what is the first thing the Prophet asked? Oh Saad, you're wearing women's perfume? What is this? I see this women perfume on you. He said, Ya Rasul, I just got married. It rubbed off from my wife. Oh, okay, okay. How he just immediately he asked him about that. What is this? Doing the act of women? Do you have anything of a woman on you? How can this be? So, he said, no, Ya Rasul, he clarified the matter. Oh, he said, Mubarak, okay, congratulations. If it rubbed off, then that's, you know, excusable. But to wear it, yani a severe, severe warning had come from the Prophet that in no way, shape, or form, right? That is why, for example, many of the Masail that we see, cutting of hair for women, some women cutting their hair, you know, should not be, right, under the shoulders. The hair of women should not be cut under the shoulder because now it's going to resemble men. And men should not leave longer hair than their shoulder. I don't know, some people, they're coming out with like, subhanAllah, Tarzan part three, you know, Allahu Akbar. Cut that. You know, what do you, this is like, I don't know, from behind, is this Layla or Majnoon? I don't know who, which one it is. Is it Layla or Majnoon I'm looking at? Which one is it? Both would be right. He's Majnoon. Majnoon bhi hai, Layla bhi hai. In this dark stuff, it will dono fit ho jayega. Majnoon bhi hai, lambe lambe baal rakhar, and then he'd be Layla as well. You know, both can be correct for him. Both would fit. Anyways, one of our students, you know, he was Layla Majnoon for a very long time. We were trying to figure out what was his issue. Khair. وَحَرَّمَ أَشْيَاءَ فَلَا تَنْتَهِكُوهَا And Allah Ta'ala made haram things. So do not, do not commit those, do not perpetrate them. Allah made certain things haram, do not perpetrate them. This is, again, telling us that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has given us a deen that certain things are fard, certain things are boundaries, that we should not go near them, certain things are Haram and forbidden in this religion. It's not a religion of we call ibahiyya, right? Anything goes. Do whatever you want to do. Oh, I, you know, but th this is the person that I love. I love this person. Why does God care about what I do or I don't do, right? Why does God care about who I, uh, you know, what I do in my bedroom? This is a, you know, this is what one of the things that people say. What does God care about what I do or don't do? What does God care about what I do in my bedroom? Because of like monkeypox. That's why God cares. Why does God care about what I eat or don't eat? Because of, you know, Wuhan. You got like, you know, weird types of animals being eaten. Khabais, eating, eating, diseases coming about from that, affecting the entire world. Because these things affect the society. You think my action of who I love and who I don't love and who I sleep with and who I don't sleep with, it doesn't affect anybody. It can affect the entire community. That disease and the harms and the effect of that, it, it affects, and it, it, the ripple effect of that can destroy an entire community. It can destroy an entire society. The Prophet ﷺ said that when people start to commit these transgressions and have, you know, out-of-wedlock relations, when people start to have out-of-wedlock relations and zina 
and adultery become rampant, then diseases will come that your forefathers have not even heard before. Who ever heard of monkeypox? You heard of this before? I never heard of it in my life before. This is the, the misdaq of the hadith of Rasulullah This is the exact prophecy of the Prophet that when people start committing zina and adultery, such diseases will come about that you and your forefathers have never even heard about before. Allahu Akbar. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remains silent regarding certain things. Rahmatan lakum, out of mercy for you. And he didn't do it out of forgetfulness. So therefore, don't seek out those things. Now you have ayat of the Quran, they're very general. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ascended the throne. Oh, how did he ascend the throne? Is he sitting on the throne? Did he go up? When did he go up? Did he come down? How did he come down? How did he go up? Why are you asking about things that you can't even understand? Don't ask about things that you know you, you have no capacity to understand. And in one hadith it mentions so beautifully the Prophet وسلم, he says here. Regarding trying to Understand those things that is not necessary. Why is Salatul Fajr four rakats? No, any two rakats sunnah. Why is Salatul Fajr two rakats fard? Yeah. Why is Salatul Zuhr four rakats? Why does uh, fasting start from dawn and it ends at Maghrib? How come we don't do fasting in the nighttime? How come Allah Ta'ala didn't make us fast in the night? Like some random, random questions that are just like. Like the, you know, why is this two rakat and why is this three rakat and why is this four rakat and asking about these random things that, what, what is it for you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remains silent about that. In other words, there are certain things that going into it is completely layani. Going into it, well, now okay, I tell you, this is the reason why Salat al-Fajr is two rakat. What's going to happen now? What did you achieve in, their, uh, in your objective of life? How, what, 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 what did you achieve in this ubudiyah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What if he made it four? Then what? Or if he made it three? How would it have been different? Or how would it have mattered? It wouldn't have. You understand? So it's teaching us that this last one is teaching us the adab of the sharia. The don't ask about those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not mention. Out of mercy, not out of forgetfulness. What is the meaning of, oh, uh, many the ayat about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They said, it mentions a beautiful hadith that Kullu ma khatara bibalik fallahu fawqa thalik Wallahu wara'a thalik Anything that comes to you regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is Allah? Allah did not give you brain to become Allah and know Allah, right? The fact that we are unable to Realize and understand. Allah Ta'ala gave us His Sifat. Allah is Rahman and Rahim and Malik and Quddus and Salam and Mu'min. Allah Ta'ala is all of these beautiful qualities. Understand Him through the creation. You cannot see Allah, but you can see the ocean. Subhanallah, Allah created this ocean. You cannot see Allah, but you can see the heavens and the stars and the moon and the sun. Recognize Allah Ta'ala by His creation. Don't recognize Allah by thinking about Allah. Recognize Allah by thinking about the creation of Allah. All of these nitty-gritties, what is Allah Ta'ala doing right now? You know? So some people ask these, these type of things. One of the mashayikh, you know, some 
Khalifa or something was making a mockery of him. He said, what is Allah Ta'ala doing right now? He says, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is putting right now such foolish people like you on top of the throne. Allah Ta'ala, Allah gives izzat to whom he wants and Allah gives zillat to whom he wants. So Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is known to his ayat, to his signs, to his creation. And now seeking anything further than what is beyond that in things that are not beneficial. And they are layani, right? Allah Ta'ala told us to be silent about that. And this hadith, subhanAllah, is now gives us a complete understanding. Deen has fara'id, do them. It has obligations, fulfill them. It has things that are forbidden, stay away from them. It has boundaries, don't go near those boundaries. Be aware of them, right? And it has certain things that Allah Ta'ala remains silent about that, right? Be respectful of those things. And don't delve into it because it's just going to make you even further. If inshallah we follow this, this is a beautiful, subhanAllah, guidelines about our deen and understanding it and practicing it. May Allah give us tawfiq to implement what has been said. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa